Welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. And before we start, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, or stream us live on Spotify. And if you're enjoying BC the Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Yeah, and don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We'll post photos and videos from this episode and beyond and all over the Beatles universe uh, and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, and you can email us too at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Please do. We'd love to talk about the Beatles. We'll talk about the Beatles forever. And that's why we have the podcast. Yes, and having the podcast and having both seen the movie yesterday within the past 24-hour period, we had to hop on and immediately discuss because we had a lot of feelings about this movie. That's right. That's right. And and like you said, it literally came out yesterday. And yes, I specifically wanted to make that joke. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, God. All um, right. To be clear, we haven't even discussed this with each other we have been saving it Mm -hmm. for this so we'll see what happens but this is like just yeah kind of like raw off the just off the cuff this is what we think about this movie having basically just seen it also i'm going to note this episode is full of spoilers for the movie yesterday Mm -hmm. so if you haven't seen it entirely yep stop the episode go see the movie and come back when you've seen it okay yes yes everything you said okay um, so those, for those of you who are unfamiliar with yesterday, and by the way, full disclaimer, I have a little like allergy thing going on. So if I'm congested, that's why don't have sympathy for me. It's not a cold. I'm going to will it not to be a cold. Anyway, don't be a cold. Also, be a cold. other disclaimer, we're going to give a background because, you know, in case you're like me and you sometimes listen to review podcasts instead of actually seeing the thing, you know, <laughs> here goes. Yes. Exactly. So if you're unfamiliar with the concept of this movie, or if you haven't seen a movie in the past like four months, because I feel like every movie I've seen, they've showed a trailer for yesterday. Every time. Um, every time, especially if you've seen Rocket Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is also a great movie. So good. Um, so good. Um, yeah, so the premise of the movie is there's this guy called Jack, and he's a singer-songwriter who's kind of not making it. He's sort of playing to, like, really shitty shows, and he's sort of giving up because he's not going anywhere in his career. And then a big blackout happens all over the world, and he gets into a big bike accident, knocks out his two front teeth, you know, probably concussion, I would I would assume. Yeah. Um, and he becomes the only person in the whole world, well to remember the Beatles, their music, who they are. And, uh, you know, that that knowledge of their songs, he he makes their songs his songs and, and propels himself to international fame. Yeah, he, and, he meets Ed uh, Sheeran, yeah. Ed Sheeran finds oh, him yeah. you know, because they, he's... They become BFFs. Yeah, and he plays for his concerts. Sense. It's great. He's an instant success because of the Beatles songs. And he gets this gloriously horrible agent played by Saturday Night Live's Kate McKinnon. Oh, she's, she's great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he also has another manager, his old manager, Ellie, who is the B-plot love plot for this movie. She uh, has always had unrequited love for him, but when his songs get extremely popular and she doesn't know where they've come from, nobody knows because he's in this really strange, almost moral quandary where he's the only one who remembers them, nobody else knows, but he wants to get these songs out in the world and he also kind of wants to have a music career. Um, Ellie decides to not join in his meteoric rise to fame. She stays at home in their coastal seaside town in England. Um, 
But a whole lot of situations bring on the chance for Jack to premiere his new songs. Like, you know, Ed Sheeran just happens to be in Russia, and so he premieres his new song back in the USSR. Why not? So crazy. Eventually, he needs to go to Liverpool because he needs to visit Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane and the grave of Eleanor Rigby. So he has an excuse to, you know, write those songs. Uh, During his time back in the UK, he ends up spending a drunken night with Ellie, which leads to a kind of convoluted love plot between the two where Ellie is kind of her own worst enemy and is making it really hard to get together with Jack I don't know, more to keep the romantic tension going than for anything that totally makes sense. Um, Yeah. 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 (laughs) I had a lot of, like, issues with this relationship, but we'll get into that. I mean, uh, or not, because it really doesn't have to do with the Beatles, but, you know... Just a, yeah. A lot it was of, there. Uh, it was there. A lot, lot of feels about yeah, 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 yeah. that whole thing. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, back in L.A., the record label launches Jack's debut album, even though it kind of seems like everybody already knows like every single song already. But anyway, his record execs ironically call it one man only, pushing that he is the only person who has written and performed these songs. Um, Jack decides to launch this debut album with a performance in his hometown and there he's approached by these two people who've kind of been creepily stalking him during the movie telling him that they have also remembered the Beatles and they had the same accident happen to them Um, instead Mm -hmm. of trying to get into the action on this this lucrative deal or get him into trouble they just they thank him for bringing the music back into the world and they have um, they have a moment where they sing Yellow Submarine together so (laughs) That's Thank nice. You. Yeah, he even makes a little yellow submarine and brings it, one of the guys. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and <laughs> to the, the the pinnacle of this movie, the two... Do we do we want to go into the pinnacle? Or um, we... No, go for it. I'll, I'll go just, for it. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. Okay. The just two nameless Beatle rememberers have done a little detective work on their own, and they give Jack the address of one John Lennon, the 70-year-old man who lives by the sea. Jack asks John if he's led a successful life. John says that he's actually had a very happy life and tells him to go chase the one he loves. Lest we forget, this is also a rom-com. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and also, John tells him to tell the truth whenever possible. Um, you know, gives him that pit, bit of advice as well, which sort of, you know, absolves Jack of his moral con- quandary because he knows now what he must do. He must. And he goes and does it. And he does it in the biggest way. He steps on stage <laughs> during one of his new friend Ed Sheeran's concerts at Wembley Stadium. Does Ed Sheeran really play to shows that big? Uh, I, I mean, he's English. He's probably big in England. That's hey, uh, English listeners, let us know if Ed Sheeran is that big in your country. Yeah, I mean, I like Ed Sheeran, but that's... A- those crowds in Russia and in Wembley Stadium big. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, I don't know if we're going to bring up Ed again, but I did like how he sort of poked fun at himself in this movie. Yes. So maybe that was all a little tongue in cheeks. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So in our big finale, Jack confesses on this stage with probably 40,000 people in the audience that he plagiarized the music, which is kind of met with a general confusion because no one quite knows who they were plagiarizing or who Jack was plagiarizing from or why and then he puts Ellie's 
unsuspecting face on the jumbotron and tells her that he oh loves her, God, even though yeah. she's dating one of their old friends from town. Um, Cringe. So, yay, love has freed him from his guilt-ridden double life. And in the end, he decides to upload the songs for free to the internet, sabotaging his record label and his mean agent, but making sure that the Beatles' music is around for all time, even if the Beatles are not remembered. Jack and Ellie marry, they have children, and Jack continues to spread the music of the Beatles in his role as a school teacher. Wonderful recap, Erica. Thank that you. I, it was beautiful. It's like I didn't even need to see the movie. Maybe you don't. Do you? Well, I don't know. Do we? Do we? Uh, where would you? Where would you uh, like to start dissecting? This uh, uh, I'll start. First thoughts, start? initial thoughts. Yeah. Okay. My first thought, and I, I came to this thought very early on in the movie, and I was like, okay, maybe it'll change my mind as it goes. Um, and uh, let me let me back up because I want to say that I did not hate this movie. I actually, there's a lot of charming things about it where if you overlook a lot of the problems, there's a lot to like here, I think. Agreed. But yeah, but here's here's one thing that I could not get over. Jack, as a character, is super unlikable. <laughs> like I never, yeah, I like never felt anything for him. I felt like he was incredibly just like salty and bitter the whole time. Like he, I get it because he's a frustrated musician and I understand that he's been trying for years to get his career off the ground and he's now faced with this, like we, you said a moral co- a quandary of like, okay, do I co-opt the Beatles music even though I didn't write it? Like it'll lead me to success, but is it, you know, what does it mean? And I get that, but the entire time and I hated myself, but I kept thinking like, dude, can you smile? Like, yeah, no, I get <laughs> which it. Which I know it's like, is so like reverse misogynistic, but it's like, he just was so like, I don't know. He was just like bitter and, and um, just not fun to be around. Like I kept thinking like, why do his friends want to hang out with him? Why is Ellie in love with them? Like yeah. he's just so like mean sometimes. And she's got, she's got major hair goals for me. So I was like, oh, she could yeah. get, she could get a lot of dudes. She's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. Like the, the agent and the agents, you know, the, the wardrobe person that they had there were totally making fun of that, but it was so true. It wasn't even like, Oh, that's so LA. Cool. It was like, this yeah. guy is really kind of an angry dude. Yeah. And he didn't really even have like a personality. You didn't really get to see much of like who he was. You got to meet his family, his mom and dad, who seemed like very lovely, cheerful people. I was like, why can't you be more like your parents, Jack? Yeah. And they had a couple of funny moments where they could have expanded it. Like when he was playing them, let it be for the first time. And like their neighbor was coming over and like it was funny. And a perfect example of him being a total asshole. Like (laughs) during that whole scene, Jack was just a big douchebag. And, you know, and another problem I have with Jack, um, and this is maybe the biggest for the movie, is he didn't even seem like a Beatles fan, like, before he had his accident. Like, he made a, you know, a vague reference in the hospital, you know, where he, t- where Ellie sort of came and cared for him. And he, you know, tossed off, uh, will, you, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? And mm-hmm. that became the first Beatles joke. But I would have liked, you know, before the accident, we got to see Jack play a couple shows and you know busk a little on the streets and it would be been cool to hear him like cover a Beatles song and that so we got that sort of basis that he loves the Beatles that's you know his favorite band or something you know maybe see like him play summer song and nobody cares but then he busts out a Beatles song and everybody's like "Ooh, that's awesome yeah and by the way when we say a summer song it's not the Chad and Jeremy song it's like his song called summer song I guess but it's his original song which wasn't terrible wasn't it terrible no I didn't think his original material was that bad. No, 
That was also a thing. Maybe it was his personality, but it didn't seem like his songs were that bad that he should be that much of a failing artist. Right, right. And yeah, I just... Yeah, I wish they would have like foreshadowed the Beatles thing a little bit just mm-hmm. because it just it was so out of left field. I know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And the rom-com thing, it was weird that it was even a rom-com. I mean, I kept kind of forgetting until they brought it back to it. But I just want to note that this screenplay was written by Richard Curtis, who also wrote Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral, the Bridget Jones mm. movies and Love Actually. Like, OK, he, he well. Had, I don't I don't know. I figured he had a lot of experience in this. Could it come up with a slightly more interesting love plotline? Yeah. You know what you didn't love all the cheesy dialogue of I've been waiting half my life for you to love me. To wake up and love me. Oh goodness. I guess that um, is very Notting Hill, isn't it? I guess it is. I mean, it's very it re- really is kind of falling into that trope of those British rom com ultimate love stories with you know, it's kind of dated, really, if you think about it, with the concept of the woman following the man around, um, you know, waiting for him to sort of recognize that she's in love with him. And and it's a very, like, romantic idea, of course, but totally. I don't know if it's really 2019 material. Not really. Sidebar, have you seen the movie Isn't It Romantic with Rebel Wilson? Yes. Okay, yes. I watched that okay. literally yesterday afternoon before I went to see yesterday and I was just laughing because it was actually falling into all the same tropes that that movie was making fun of 100% that movie did it so much better yes yes highly recommend isn't it romantic very good yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah so like god what else do I have here About, about our friend Jack uh yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I liked the choice of the actor. I don't know what else he's been in. I did a little bit of Googling, but not a lot. I just saw the movie a couple hours ago, by the way. Um, so I thought he was fine. Um, but I just, yeah, they should have given him more dimension. It was just... Yeah, and there were so many places. Like That's what I kept noticing. There's so many places where they could have gone just a little bit deeper to mm-hmm. satisfy the story and make it more complete. But they didn't, you know, I agree. I I think because of that, this really interesting kind of thought experiment about what would the world be like without the Beatles starts to fizzle out about halfway through. Once we've gotten the plot line set and we kind of know where we're going, we never really get anywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of plot holes. And and given, you know, this is a big thing. This is a lot to sort of take on like a world without the Beatles, because as they sort of go into a little bit in the movie, the Beatles touch everything. And you'll find out in the movie, there's other things that have been obliterated too, like Coca-Cola is gone, which... That was a funny, funny line. That was very funny. There was a, there were a lot of like funny one lines like that, where, you know, Harry Potter's gone, like these big things are gone. Um, But I... uh, you know, I sort of was like, okay, how is Coke related to the Beatles? And it took me forever. I'm like, well, there's the scene of Hard Day's Night where John pretends to snort Coke. But and then I was like, oh, wait, it's just other big things like cigarettes. And then I was like, did the Beatles, you know, not, did they kill off the cigarette industry because they're not here? But then I thought cigarettes have been long, been around way before the Beatles. So that couldn't have been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the sci-fi nerd in me wanted just a little bit to, to latch yeah. on to about why this accident happened and why certain things may have gone away. Um, yeah. You know, it just seems random, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you could really, like, 
it, it, it made sense and it was fine, but you really, really, really have to commit to suspending your disbelief. Mm. I mean, in reality, there would be a lot more taken away from our culture if, you know, than just like a few bands and a few like things in, in modern life. If the Beatles weren't there, if cigarettes weren't there, if Coca-Cola wasn't there, like it wouldn't be just a few things and the rest of life would exist. Yeah, absolutely. The Beatles, especially for music, they've touched nearly everyone, no matter if you're country, hip hop, rock, anything. And it's highly unlikely that Ed Sheeran would have a career if it weren't for Paul McCartney, you right. know, if it weren't for all of that. So it's, it's you do really have to just sort of buy into, okay, these bands still exist. Uh, the Beatles, some bands don't. I thought of you, Erica, because one of the bands that doesn't exist because the Beatles don't exist is Oasis. I thought that was hilarious. And that is such Jacks. a Oh, yeah. my God. Because like they are so cocky about we're the next Beatles. And it's just a great dig on them. It was very good. And Jack's reaction of, oh, makes sense. I, <laughs> I LOL'd. I was like, yep. Me too. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> okay, so you might have, you, I'm sure you're probably on the same page with me with this. There was one place where I really really had a problem with the um, the continuity about things that would be here or not if the Beatles weren't around. So there's a time in the movie when he goes to Liverpool. He decides he has to go so that he can, you know. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, he can justify going. I know exactly where to go with this Writing girlfriend. those songs. And, he, and his agent was like, why are you going to Liverpool? And he says, like, it's the home of Scylla Black. Yeah. What? Okay. I had this written down. Ah! down <laughs> so oh, first off I, like props to Scylla awesome Scylla we love you yes. absolutely but but, 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 but but wait but if Scylla existed then Brian existed so what the fuck happened to the Beatles if Scylla existed but the Beatles did not like what no. the fuck where is Brian <laughs> like you can't take me to Brian <laughs> You can't do that. <laughs> I know. Now, I mean, just by saying Scylla Black, they've opened up a whole other bag of worms. I want to, like, interrogate the creators of this movie and be like, okay, you realize by saying Scylla Black, that's a whole thing that you just started. And the fact that she's known. And I was sort of going down the rabbit hole with this, Erica, because, you know, that's what we do with Scylla. We go down right. the rabbit hole whenever we get the chance. And I sort of was like, okay. He probably doesn't know Scylla for her music because most British people know her as a presenter, right? Who got her that TV presenter gig? Brian Epstein. That's who. Only. <laughs> and how did Brian get so big that he was able to make that happen for Scylla? Was it like the big three were like the big British invasion band? Uh, yeah. I mean, was it? Did he? Yeah. I would have loved. Oh, God. The Rory I, Storm and the Hurricanes? Is that a big deal? No, that wasn't because no one knew who Ringo was. So it wasn't Rory. But it could have been somebody like right. the big three. Yeah, or like, I mean, God, Johnny Gentle was never going anywhere. But um, <laughs> Billy J, yeah, Billy J. Like, I don't know. It's uh, it's very interesting. And I, when they went to Liverpool, I was like, they could have done so much shit there. Like, they could have made it like the home of the Big Three, and like made it like or home of Scylla Black, where mm -hmm. she was the one that got supremely famous. Like, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's funny, and I I want to talk about Liverpool because. First of all, it made me miss it so freaking much um, and made me, like, just want to go back. But also, they could have done a lot with it. So, for for example, here's one plot hole. Strawberry Fields, if there was never a song called Strawberry Fields Forever, they would not have preserved those gates like that. Hell they no. Wouldn't, 
all that shit would have been gone. That those gates would have been out of here a long time ago, you know. But they should have. The only thing I saw that was really missing, and given they didn't show Matthew Street, they didn't go to like the Beatles centric parts except for Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. Yeah, and actually, you never really got to see Penny Lane except mm-hmm. for a sign and looking in some windows. But uh, you know, the only thing that was really missing blatantly was the John Lennon Airport yes. name. That was the only thing that was changed in Liverpool, which is very weird. I found the whole Liverpool trip very unsatisfying. And I think maybe for the same reason that that you just said that there needs to be a reason why Liverpool is the culture center of the world still, if you're showing things that tell you that it is. And what made it that? Um, Let's see, the Beatles. Right. And I was already down the Scylla rabbit hole when they were showing this. So, you know, I don't I don't know exactly what happened. Like kind of I was thinking about Scylla a lot. And the next thing I knew, they were almost kissing in the hotel room. So, you know, that's what happens when you see it for the first time. But (laughs) (laughs) this is the story of our lives. Like you just start thinking about Scylla Black and then you just don't know where you are anymore. It happens. Like I did. Like I almost like yelled out loud when they said Scylla Black. And then I was like, hey, wait, what? What? I know. I was like, I was like, oh my god, text Erica. I almost whipped out my phone right then, but I, you know, I uh, saved myself. You are for this moment. Respectful. (laughs) Yeah, so good. I'm so glad that she got a shout out. Yes. Um, But yeah, again, that's a that's another moment of incredible suspension of belief on the viewer's part. It was a lot of fun to see people's reactions to the songs for the first time. That was. That was a nice message. I think that was what they were trying to get through to the audience that, you know, the Beatles are universal. They create, you know, those magic feelings no matter when or where they were heard, which was was really nice. And I think the songs that they chose were definitely songs that could fit into any era. You know, if they had chosen like the ballad of John and Yoko, like what? You know, if you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Dude lives by the sea would be pretty surprised. Yeah. He would. uh, He'd be like, oh, shit. That's and f- funny side story. Shout out to my coworker. My counterpart um, at my day job is named John, and his wife is Yoko. I'm not kidding. What? I'm not kidding. How have you never yes. told me this before? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. So I told him about the podcast. I don't know if he's listening. Some of my coworkers listen. So hey guys. Um, but yeah, I flipped my shit. It's so cool. But every time he's like, "Oh yeah, Yoko," I'm just like, "I can't believe this is real." <laughs> How does that anyway. even happen? Oh my god. I have no idea, but it's the greatest. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, John and Yoko. Aside, at least there's a real John and Yoko still in the world because, you know. they For sure is. Yeah, it's them. And there were a couple of other real well, people, of course. We talked about it. Sheeran. You know, he was very funny. I can't imagine that he's actually like that in real life. So he did a good job kind of making fun of himself. The composer contest at their Russian gig was was quite funny. Um, and when Sheeran called himself this solidarity to Jax Mozart, <laughs> which I uh, yeah. I saw it with with my fiance Luke, who's also a huge Beatles fan, and immediately whispers to me, "He's like, that's what Yoko called Paul." Wait, Yoko called Paul Salieri. That's what yeah, that's what he told me. I didn't I didn't know that to you know, Salieri know to John's you... Mozart. Oh my god! Wow, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I mean, Amadeus is like my favorite movie, so that's really amazing to hear that. Yes. World coming together. So weird, weird little callbacks. Also, the James Corden callback was strange because he was Paul was so recently on James Corden that it it just felt very alternate reality to me. Mm. Even though that was yeah, a I dream agree. sequence. Um, I actually, yeah, yeah, sorry. I actually thought that Ringo and uh, Paul were going to be in it. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought, well, you know, the trailers made it seem like that was a real moment. So I was a little disappointed that it was a dream. I really expected there would be some sort of confrontation. And I wish that were the climax of the movie because the climax of the movie is pretty unsatisfying. Oh, yeah. Um, but that would have been that would have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're skipping around, but I really want to talk about John. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it's almost not because even though we didn't see Paul or Ringo, we saw John. We saw John. Yeah. And I so... I don't know if you felt like this, but I was like, when they handed him, so he gets John's information from the, like Erica said, from the other people who recognize the Beatles music. And they sort of hand him a slip of notebook paper with John's address, I guess. And so he's going to the house. And I sort of was like, he's going to Paul's house. I did too. Mm -hmm. You did? Okay, good. I I thought maybe you had the same thought. And there Um, was a drawing in the corner and I probably should have gotten it's John from the drawing, but it looked like a bald Paul. It looked, yes, thank you. I thought the same thing. And I was like, oh, this makes total sense that Paul's an artist because he does art. He yeah. does the art. I thought maybe and it was, was like a drawing of his dad. That's how way too far yes. into it I was. But okay, you're right Dude, there with me. Same. <laughs> I am right there. I literally was like, that's a drawing of Jim McCartney. <laughs> I, I love 100%. that we had that same reaction. Nerds. That's why we have this podcast. Yes. God. Uh, but yeah, I, I really did. And then I even thought I was going this deep down the rabbit hole. I was like, okay, he's going to Sussex. Paul has uh, a country house. The you know, recording studio. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And I was, and I, I was even like, that sort of looks like it. Uh-huh. Exactly <laughs> the same thoughts. Uh, nerds. <laughs> But the guy, um, he kind of gave me chills. He freaked me out because he looks exactly like what I think John Lennon probably would look like if he had lived to yeah. right now. I mean, it was yeah. it was uncanny. It was freaky. And then he opened his mouth and he sounded literally nothing like John Lennon in any way. Okay, I I actually liked the voice because I thought I and I agree. He gave me chills. I you know I don't usually get like this especially about John Lennon stuff we you know we have a whole episode about our feelings about John and and we love John but um you know I'm not what I would consider a John apologist so anything that sort of seeks to like deify John um and this didn't really do that it sort of alluded to it a little bit but it was a very sort of real look at what John might be doing if he weren't a Beatle and obviously he's alive um and I gotta admit I got a little choked up I really did because it was because it was very much like God, if he was just a regular person and he just sort of lived his life, you know, and um, and it, it just it really. Yeah, it was very, very touching. It was very emotional. But I actually liked the voice because it was very aged. Um, it was not John's voice, that's for sure. But I thought it was nice. I thought it was a good sort of representation. It was a little gravelly, sort of somebody who's lived kind of a hard life because, yes, we learned John became a sailor like his father, sailed the world, um, and then sort of retired to the beach uh, doing his art. But I thought it was a, like sort of a grizzled old man's voice, which I thought was that kind of got me. Like, I just, the whole package was really just intense. Okay, that makes sense to me. He didn't really have a Liverpool accent, and John's Liverpool accent was pretty strong. So that was the only thing that I think that really got me about the voice, but I can t- I totally see your point. I mean, the whole thing was, was chilling, and not even to deify John, but just, you know, what would this man's life have been like if it wasn't cut short at age 40? Mm, yeah, I mean, Jack has a moment where he just you know, he turns to John and just says, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're alive or you know, something along those lines. And it's just, that's what got me. And he says, can I hug you? And yeah. I just, I, I 
I think we all feel that way. I don't think any of us, if John were here, we would, you know, go crazy. We just, I, if he were suddenly here, it would be like, I'm just so glad to see you, exactly. you know? Yeah. And it's just, it, yeah, it chokes me up because it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And normally moments like this would be so freaking hokey, but this was really sincere. I felt it might've been the best part of the movie. And now that I think about it, it might've been the thing that made this movie happen. If you think about it, like you think about people like sitting around brainstorming ideas for a movie and they hit on, oh my God, John might be alive and who would he be? Like the character of this John was so fleshed out and very different from the John that we had, you know? <laughs> they spent yeah. a lot of time on it. They really did. But if you go, if you compare that to the the reasons for why the love story kept coming back, they were so flimsy. Oh gosh, yeah. And that's, so... I think, you know, you and I are kind of aligned on the John character in general, but the one thing that I was not on board with was just how they did flesh out his life, but they didn't give that part much meat. There wasn't much substance there. For example, you know, John, like we said, one thing he does is urge Jack to go chase his love. And so John alludes to his wife, his, the love of his life, no mention of whether that's Cynthia or Yoko, no, no name at all mentioned no mention of where she is. Jack doesn't ask, which I would be like, dude, tell me everything. Like, what have you been doing for the last 50 years? That's um, true. You know, <laughs> they don't. And then John is very interested in Jack. You know, he answers maybe a question or two about himself to Jack, but then he turns, he starts interrogating Jack on his career and his love life and all this. And then it sort of ends, you know, with Jack giving him a hug and then we see John again. And it's like, I think, I personally was like, I wish they would have gone deeper with John and just sort of explored what that was like, just because they did such a great job with like constructing that character. But it just wasn't enough. Just wasn't enough for me. I think what happened in that, and I was thinking about it too, was that if they had asked too much about John or had John revealed too much, then the audience would have been sucked into this John story much more than the rest of the story. And if he exists, did Paul exist? Did George exist? Did Ringo exist? What about, mm, where's Brian? Yeah. You know, what happened where's to Brian? him? Exactly. Where's Brian? That's the number one question. Where's Brian? Where's Brian? Uh, yep. But all of those stories. And, you know, does he still contact his old friends from school? Because if he existed, I mean, did, did Paul just get, you know, like Thanos style vanished off the earth when this happened? Or is he also living some life somewhere else? And if yeah, he is, and that, didn't they know each other in school at some in some way? Yeah, they would. I mean, if he's still John Lennon from Liverpool, which we confirm, you know, that he was, uh, you know, there. I mean, I would assume there would also be a Paul and a George and a Ringo. And I think they would have probably known each other in some way, eventually, you know, in some form. Um, I'm trying to think if I, sh I wish I would have taken a closer look around John's house because we see the interior of where he lives. And I didn't. I don't remember if I saw a guitar or anything. Do I don't you remember? remember? No, I really yeah. was focused on the drawings and I thought it was yeah. Paul. So I didn't really look at anything else until it came <laughs> I know, <up> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, and I, I think you're right. I think if they would have made too much of a big deal about John, we would have just forgotten the entire movie because that would have been phenomenal. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's okay. I'm okay with the little they, they revealed, but I just, yeah, that was the thing that really, kind of 
if that weren't there, I would have said this movie was incredibly flimsy um, yeah. and lightweight. But I would say it's worth seeing even just for that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can yeah. I talk about one more problem that I have? Just, just yeah, with please. suspension of disbelief. Okay, Let's so do if, it. if Ellie first fell in love with Jack at a talent show where he was playing Wonderwalls in the pre-accident world. What did she remember that memory as being once the Beatles and Oasis were both gone since they totally showed a flashback of that moment in the post-Beatles world? That's a really good point. And I think also when he won the talent show, there was an article, right, written about him and he had it pinned to his wall and they flash on it in the post-Beatles world and I think they that Wonderwall was gone out of it. I I tried to take a look, but it was flashed too quickly. Uh, but yeah, that's a great point. You know what? What really would they have even known each other if that had never happened? You know, or I guess the question is, would it be the No Beatles from the beginning of time, and that would affect everything up until that moment, or was it sort of like? that moment is like frozen and then it starts again with no Beatles, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because they had some things and they had others and the absence of the Beatles didn't affect the rest of the world in the way that I would imagine the absence of the Beatles would actually affect the rest of the world. Just yeah. like the absence of cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, how many more people would have been alive and had more children if they didn't smoke a lot of cigarettes and die of lung cancer? Exactly. And that's one of my thoughts with, uh, you know, like George, George would still be alive. Um, yeah. Those other things that they sort of obliterated, like the Beatles, it's, each one of those could be its own plot. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. there were some pretty big things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the places, if they had taken a little bit more care with some of these interesting tentacles they had put out, I think it would have been a more complete and satisfying movie. But... Yeah. Unfortunately, I think they took a very big subject and tried to condense it down into a rom-com, which is, I mean, it's fine and it's nice. And maybe if you're not a giant Beatles fan, you really do get into it because you're not thinking about things like they mentioned Scylla Black. But um, to me, it yeah, being, that, that yeah. was for us. That yeah. was only for us. <laughs> it was amazing. Sure. <laughs> but being somebody who's seen a lot of rom-coms, like it did not feel like if I was not that invested in the Beatles that I would love this plot as a rom-com either. Yeah, I agree. Because again, you know, I think Jack is kind of unlikable and I don't understand Ellie's attraction to him. And I don't, I don't feel like, Oh, they're destined. It's sort of like, I don't understand it. So, you know, but luckily, you know, we're seeing it because of the Beatles, not because of the B plot. So yeah, the Beatles, not the B plot. I like it. Eh, spinoff podcast, Beatles <laughs> uh, But yeah, I mean, I well, I want to ask you, what did you think of the covers? You know, I thought they were good. And when he first started playing, like when he did Let It Be, I thought he he sounds really nice. He has a great voice. He has a great mm-hmm. range. I thought that when he was playing some of the early Beatles songs, they really did a good job at bringing them into the modern day without destroying the integrity of the original song. Like if someone came to a music producer with I Saw Her Standing There and had like a pop rock sensibility, that might be how it came out if no one's ever heard it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked it. I will say, though, at the end, when the credits came on and the real Paul started singing mm. Hey Jude, it was almost like, thank God I'm back home in reality where the Beatles are real. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was their intent, because I could see that uh, being, 
their logic of saying, you know, let's end it with a real Beatles song so that it's, you know, bringing you back into the real world. I think so. I think that they were really trying to make the point that there, there is, you know, the Beatles have such a special place in life that really life wouldn't be the same without them. Even if you try, you can't make it happen. Yeah. And that sort of brings me to my overarching thing with this movie. It's, it made me really just supremely grateful for the Beatles, just as a fan and, and somebody whose life has been incredibly altered because, because of the Beatles. But, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, you just need something to reaffirm that like, God damn, these, this band is so good. Their music is so good. And I'm so freaking lucky to live at a time, you know, when they exist. And, uh, you know, that was one of my big takeaways, I think. That's so well said. It was really interesting to me too, that I was thinking about all of the biopics that have been around, you know, Elton John and Freddie Mercury. And there's even something coming out about that kid whose life is influenced by, uh, Bruce Springsteen like there's just so many oh yeah right now Mm -hmm. it's interesting that all of the biopics about other musicians are about them and about their influence on other people but the way you have to show the Beatles impact because they were so big is showing us what life would be without them you you can't do a biopic about the Beatles right now in the same way as Rocket Man because they're just so massive and their their impact on our culture is so huge. And you feel it more if you think about a world with, without them. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a very, very profound thought and statement. It, it's so true. And I, I've seen people on Instagram sort of complain because, you know, Queen got a biopic and then Elton got a biopic. And where's the Beatles biopic? First of all, there are so many. Go out there and explore. Have fun. Uh, you know, see them all. But it also, it's like, it just, yeah, how would you even express it Because at this time in this place? Like, this is kind of the perfect way. Like you said, Eric, I, I totally agree. Out of 10, what would you give it? Oh, gosh, I would say, oh, that's hard. Maybe a, I would go a six or seven. Yeah, I'm there too. Maybe about a, a 6.5, seven for the Scylla. Yeah. <laughs> bumps it up because that's a yeah that was a good one that was a good uh call by whoever wrote that in the script thank you we see you we thank you yes we love you we love you but it did drive us down a ridiculous a ridiculous rabbit hole yeah yeah that's like the part where i'm gonna be thinking about that for a long time (laughs) yeah we're uh that rabbit hole is deep deep and wide um what about you 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 said 6.5 yeah, I think 6.5 or 7. This is probably not a movie in the catalog of Beatles-related films that I would rush to see again. But if it was, you know, on, on TV and I came across it, I think I would I would watch it again and I would enjoy it and I would enjoy the message. But I think that I would just kind of rather go listen to the real Beatles at this point. Makes me want to listen to them again. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, and if you're seeing yesterday, you should definitely go see it. It's worth a watch. Um, oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely a thing I want to say. Like, go see it. You know? Yeah. It's an interesting thought experiment, if nothing else. And it really does make you appreciate the band. Totally. And, you know, go see it with somebody who maybe is a Beatles noob or go see it with your parents or somebody, you know, it's somebody you go to a fun summer movie with, Um and yeah, just have fun with it because it's it's not really I don't think meant to be taken too seriously. Uh, no, but it's, 
Mm-mm. But it's 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 more about enjoying the music, and isn't that isn't that what it's about anyway? In general, absolutely right, totally agree. definitely. <laughs> so if you go see yesterday, let us know what you think. Uh, you know, again, tweeted us at BC the Beatles. We're BC the Beatles on Facebook and on Instagram, and we'll be posting a thread on our Facebook. We can chat about it um, and uh, yeah, and share our thoughts. And and if you disagree with us, feel free. Let us know. Fight fight with us. We love that. Yeah, we're so here for this conversation. <laughs> like yeah. sci-fi plus Beatles, bring it on. It's awesome. Yeah, Erica would love if you could incorporate some Doctor Who into whatever. God, I hope they didn't get rid of Doctor Who. I mean, with Harry Potter and the Beatles gone, this world is like my hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God they didn't make a Doctor Who reference. But but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. So maybe it's gone. I didn't see a single TARDIS. So this can't happen. This world. This world is fictitious. Only fictitious could never be real. <laughs> okay. Well, Erica's got to go have a crisis. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and uh, so I, I guess we'll end this episode by saying thanks. Yesterday, thanks Danny Boyle for directing this crazy movie. Thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, or wherever. Tweet us, Facebook messages, add us at Instagram, and email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. We totally want to hear from you. And we will see you again very, very soon. Hell yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye.